we've been going through this, this, uh, this series um, where we've been looking at questions that Jesus has asked dif- different people. And, and today we are looking at John 21 and this interaction that Jesus has with Peter. Um, and like Will read earlier, uh, we will be in John 21, 15 through 19. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn there. John 21, 15 through 19. But the question that Jesus asks Peter uh, is, is an interesting question. And, and the interesting part about it is that he asks it three times. Do you love me? Four words that shape this entire interaction between Peter and Jesus. These four words are heavy as Peter hears them. These four words have a lot of weight. They have a lot of meaning. These four words are an echo, but they're also an appointment. They call Peter to remember. They bring Peter to a moment where he's reliving a memory. These four words cause Peter to look back but to also look forward. Today we're studying this exchange between Peter and Jesus, and if I'm being honest, for the longest time, without doing much in-depth study of this passage, I never fully understood what it meant. It's kind of confusing. There are a lot of questions that I want to ask after seeing this exchange. Why does Jesus ask Peter the same question three times in a row? Why Does Jesus keep asking Peter the question, even though Peter's giving him the same answer? Does Jesus not believe Peter? What's Jesus getting at? Is there more to this interaction than we might think? So the way that we're going to map out our morning together is there are two words that stick out in this entire passage that we want to focus on. Those words are love and devotion. We can go to that next slide. I don't know if this is working. Love and devotion. There we go. Okay, now it is. We're good. The way we'll map out our morning is we'll look at to answer some questions. Uh, The first set of questions that we'll answer will be all about the word love. What is love? What does love compel us to do? Why does Jesus ask Peter three times if he loves him? And then we'll move from the word love and we'll begin asking questions about the second word that we want to focus on this morning. And that word is devotion. What does being devoted to Jesus look like? What is Jesus trying to communicate to Peter about devotion? And what would our lives look like if we were truly devoted to being a disciple of Jesus? So hopefully, by the end of our time together this morning, we can answer a few of those questions. Love and devotion. Two words that Jesus fuses together in this passage. Two words that, based off of this interaction with Peter and Jesus, cannot stand alone. Love means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Love is a noun, and love is also a verb. I can be in love with someone, and someone can love me. Love is not only an affection, or a feel, uh, but it's also a feeling or a passion that we have for someone or even something. 
You know, I, I, we use the word love when we describe uh, our feelings toward our significant other, but we also use the word love when we say things like, I love Netflix and ice cream. And while I do love Netflix, and while I do love ice cream, that love or that feeling is probably different than what I experience for my wife. Like, I'm not in a romantic relationship with Netflix. But, but I just saw a few of you, you're shaking your head and you're like, I don't know about you, man, but I am. I, I say all of this because love means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? And here within this conversation that Jesus and Peter are having, what Jesus is doing is he's ushering into the world a new definition of love. Let's see what Jesus says to Peter. Verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Let's stop right here for a second. Right off the bat, Jesus refers to Peter as Simon, son of John. Why does he do this? It's important because if you remember back at the beginning of the gospel, Jesus gives Simon a new name, Peter. Jesus here is not referring to Peter as Peter, but he's referring to him as his birth name, Simon. What's Jesus getting at? Jesus wants Peter to remember back to the moment when Peter first started following him. Because look at the question that Jesus asks Peter. Do you love me more than these? Jesus and his disciples had just gotten off of a boat uh, they just got to the shore. They had caught a miraculous amount of fish. The fish fry was going to be awesome. I heard that Mary had a killer hush puppy recipe. It was going to be amazing. But the fact that they were fishing is really, really important. Because not only is Jesus calling Peter Simon, son of John, but they're also participating in Simon's profession before he started following Jesus. Simon was a fisherman. So when Jesus asks Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What Jesus is probably getting at is, do you love me more than these nets? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me enough to drop your nets, drop your profession, drop everything that you've ever known and follow me? And here's the thing, Peter's already dropped his nets and followed Jesus, right? And Jesus knows that. But Jesus also knows that recently, Peter's had some difficulty following Jesus. Remember the three times that Peter even uh, just denied even knowing who Jesus was? I think by the third time Jesus gets to the question, do you love me, Peter starts to remember. This is, uh, this is one of my favorite pictures from our wedding. Uh, and just to give a little context... Um, of this moment. This was the moment right at the beginning of the ceremony. And if you look closely, uh, Christine uh, and, and, and I have been weeping. <laughs> We've just been weeping. And we haven't even gotten to our vows yet in this picture. Um, we haven't even gotten to our vows yet. Uh, but this was a special moment and one of my favorite pictures because it was during this moment when Christine's dad, John Micah, who was officiating our wedding, told us to turn around and look out into the crowd at everyone who had gathered to celebrate with us. And not only did John Micah ask us to look out into the crowd,
But he started naming off people who were in the crowd, who had poured love into our lives, people who had placed us before themselves. John was literally trying to make me cry. But there was this moment here in, in this picture, there, there was this moment where my emotion broke. My emotion broke because there was this thought that popped up into my head and I couldn't get the thought out. I, it, it just it popped up in my head and, I, and I, I was looking out at everybody and I just thought, all of these people love me. And I was a goner. I was <laughs> just tears. All of these people love me. And not only do they love me, but that love compelled them to show up to a hot, rainy day in Lebanon, Tennessee to celebrate with us as I professed the love that I had for Christine. And not only do they love me, but that love compelled them to shower us with gifts and love as we started this new adventure together. And not only do they love me, but that love compelled them to show Christine and me love all throughout our lives. Love compels us to love, compels us to love, compels us to love. So we continue with Peter replying to Jesus and saying, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And I love Jesus' reply to Peter's answer. Because this is the moment when love becomes more than simply loving Netflix. (laughs) This is the moment when Jesus is ushering into the world a new definition of love. This is the moment when he's redefining it. Listen to what he says. Yes, Lord, Peter said to him, you know that I love you. Look at his reply. Feed my lambs. To love Jesus is to love his flock. To love Jesus is to love people. Or let's put it this way. God's love for me should compel me to show others that same love. That's what love is. That's what love compels us to do. Love is not passive. Love is very, very active. One of my favorite definitions of love comes from a book by Scott McKnight called A Fellowship of Difference. This is the cover. McKnight describes in one of the chapters that love is a series of prepositions. Love is a series of prepositions. McKnight claims that to show someone love, you must commit yourself to a few rugged commitments. To summarize, McKnight claims that to show someone love, you show that person that you are with them. He says this, love cannot be love without presence. How true is that? I am with you, I'm beside you, I am here. He goes on to say that to show someone love, you not only show them that you're with them, but then you show them that you are for them. He says this, to love someone means that you are their advocate, you're on their side, I am for you, I've got your back, I'm on your team. He finishes by saying that our withness and our forness will allow us to usher that person unto the kingdom of God. And I love this, what he says about the preposition unto. All biblical love has direction unto the one to whom we surrender our love. Let me say that again. 
all biblical love has direction unto the one to whom we surrender our love. With, for, unto. Love shows someone that we are with them and we are for them, but it also calls us as followers of Jesus to usher that person unto the kingdom of the God who first loved us. The God who was first with us and for us. The God who ushered us unto his kingdom. Or to put it in the words of Fred Rogers, the beloved man who taught so many children and adults and everyone about love and grace and what it means to be a good neighbor. Deep within us, no matter who we are, there lives a feeling of wanting to be lovable, of wanting to be the kind of person that others like to be with. And the greatest thing that we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. I think that this is what Jesus is doing with his interaction with Peter. Jesus asks him the same question three times, and three times uh, Peter gives him the same answer. And if you notice toward the end of the passage, it says that Peter was grieved that he asked the third time. And it was probably in this moment when Peter remembered the three times that he denied even knowing this man. But Jesus isn't shaming Peter with these questions. Jesus is looking into the soul of Peter and he's saying, you are loved and you are capable of loving others. And to love me is to love my flock. I'm leaving very soon and I'm calling you to feed my lambs. I'm leaving very soon and Peter, I'm calling you to to shepherd my sheep. I'm leaving very soon and Peter, I'm calling you to feed my sheep. Love and devotion are not two separate things. Love is not passive. Love is very, very active. And to love Jesus is to love people. Then why is it hard to love people, right? Like, shouldn't the love that, I, that we've experienced from God compel me to love others? Why is it difficult to love people? Like, just, just think about this question. Wouldn't our jobs and our professions be a lot easier if we didn't have to deal with people? <laughs> Amen. Kids, teenagers, teachers, wouldn't school be a lot easier if you didn't have to deal with people? So I was talking to someone the other day, and we were talking about how living in the South, uh, we sort of have this unspoken rule that you're required to be friendly to everyone, even random strangers. Let's call it Southern hospitality. And as we were talking, we came to this moment in the conversation where um, I just said, you know, but sometimes it's just so exhausting to be friendly 24-7. And I shared this story about how a, a year ago, Christine and I went to New York City. And, uh, and, as we, and, and I loved it and because these, these are my words, and this might be an indictment on my soul. I didn't have to be nice to everyone. I could, I could ignore people, and it was totally acceptable. I could walk on the road and, and, and just forget about people. I could literally ignore the existence of another human being. 
And I'm not advocating for all of us to be super friendly 24-7, all day, every day, because I was being honest when I said that really is exhausting. And if we're being honest, kind of fake and a little creepy. But what I am saying is that ignoring the existence of another person is literally the opposite of what it means to be devoted to Jesus. When we are compelled by the love that Jesus has for us, that love compels us to love others, and the lens by which we see the world reveals to us people, it doesn't make them invisible. But here's the problem that we face in our world today, right? It's really easy to substitute hate for love when we hide behind a keyboard or a computer screen. Yeah, I had a friend recently who posted on her Facebook and she said this, if Facebook were an actual city, village, community, I wonder how hospitable it would feel. Would you want to raise kids there? Would you want to retire there? Just a thought. And I don't know how many of us would answer this question and just be like, yeah, I'd totally raise my kids in the hypothetical community of Facebook. (laughs) Because here's the difficult reality that we have to come to realize if we're going to devote ourselves to following Jesus. Our devotion to Jesus affects every aspect of our our lives, our work, our family, our friends, and, and yes, even our Facebook page, our Twitter and Instagram feed, and our Snap story. The love that God has shown to me should compel me to love others. And I say should because I don't think that's always the case. I don't think it's always the case because we live in a world where morality is becoming increasingly blurred. We live in a world, a world where false biblical doctrines convince us that we can somehow love God and forget about people. We've developed this religion that's solely based on showing up to church on Sunday morning, feeling good about that, and then going back to our Monday mornings and treating people like trash. We forget that each and every one of us was created in the image of God, and we forget that Jesus is not only just looking at Peter, but he's looking at each and every one of us, and he's asking, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. We're called to love God and to love people. And when we wake up to the reality that the love that God has shown to me should compel me to love others, then our entire lives change. When we wake up to the reality that the love that God has shown to me should compel me to show others that love, then the lives of everyone around us change. When we wake up to that reality, our social media feeds begin to change. When we wake up to that reality, the kingdom of God becomes so present and so near to the world that we live in that we can get a taste of heaven where we are now. I'll leave you with this story. Uh, right after Christine's dad made me and Christine turn around and, and just weep as we were looking out into the crowd of people who gathered with us on our wedding day, uh, we finally got to the vows. And I was so incredibly nervous. I had knots in my stomach, and I just kept thinking over and over in my head, don't lock your legs, don't lock your legs, don't lock your legs. Because I'd seen way too many videos on America's Funniest Home Videos of people passing out during their wedding. 
And that was like my biggest nightmare. And even right now, I'm just thinking, don't lock your legs, don't lock your legs. I don't want to pass out. But as we began reciting our vows, I miraculously stopped sobbing for a second to say this to Christine. I looked at her and said, Christine, I loved you yesterday. I love you today. And I promise to love you tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. Within that statement, I recalled the love that I had for Christine in the past. I remembered the love that I had for her in high school when she friend-zoned me and she wouldn't give me the time of day. I remembered the love that I had for her that we shared when we walked in downtown Nashville on our first date, and I so badly wanted to hold her hand, but I was just too nervous. I remembered the love and the nauseous feeling that I felt when I got down on one knee to ask her to spend the rest of her life with me. Within that statement, I also recalled the love that I had for Christine in the present. The love that I had for her on that day when all of these people had gathered with us to celebrate love, a celebration of love. And within that statement, I also promised the love that I would have for Christine in the future, the love that both of us hope for every day, the love that we will experience in all of the future moments that we can't even possibly comprehend right now. Jesus is looking at Peter and he reminds him of the love that Peter once had for him when he was Simon. When he dropped his nets, when, he, when the love that he experienced from Jesus compelled him to leave the only thing that he knew how to do, when Simon left his old life and became Peter and began following Jesus. Jesus is looking at Peter and he reminds him of the love that he currently has for him. The love that compels him to ask him three times if Peter returns that love to him. The love that can redeem Peter with three questions that echo three denials. Jesus is looking at Peter and he reminds him that he is loved and capable of loving. Jesus goes one step further and says, not only is Peter capable of loving, but his calling and his commission is to love on behalf of the love that he's been shown. Feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. You can do what I do. Peter is loved, he is capable of loving, and he is being called by God to love God and to love others. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, if you've tuned me out and and, and you're just like, man, I'm just ready for lunch, I hope that you hear this. I hope that you can leave with this truth Because this is true of you and this is true of me. It's true of every single person in this room. You are loved. You are capable of loving. And you are called by God to love God and to love people. Let me say that one more time. You are loved. You are capable of loving. And you are called by God to love God and to love people.